let me remind you, Mr. Addison, that one case does not a detective make. Well, let me remind you, Miss Hayes, I hate it when you talk backwards. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Moonlighting the Podcast. Today we are talking about Sleep Talking Guy. We're already up to Season 2, Episode 16, Shauna. Amazing. Going so fast. This episode first aired on the 1st of April 1986. It was directed by Christopher Hibbler. It was written by Deborah Frank, Carl Sorter and, of course, Glenn. Guest stars Lisa Blount, who played Toby. Stephen Keats as Jerry, David Wells as the bartender, and William Martin Burns as the uniform cop. So the synopsis for this episode, David becomes famous when he solves several big cases in quick succession. Maddie is impressed, unaware that he is using information passed to him by a prostitute with a mobster client who talks in his sleep about people who are due to be killed. Everything is going well for David until he is told that he is the next person to be killed. He ends up in a fistfight with the mobster and gets punched by Maddie when she learns the truth about his source. Now, Shauna, she's not violent, is she? (laughs) Of course not. Yes. So this episode has very creepy music in the very beginning and Mm. it kind of Hands across the room, a guy in a bed, across the floor. You see, you see the phone cord stretched out, or am I imagining that? Yeah, stretched out into the bathroom. Okay, yes, all the way into the bathroom, across the tile. You know, one of these panning shots. Usually, we're panning across Maddie's room over her all her photographs and everything, but this one's panning the bed, the floor, into the bathroom, up the girl's figure. You know, starting with her feet. And it's just a girl laying on the floor talking to her mother. And while this is happening, the gentleman is muttering in his sleep. He's making noises and he's the sleep talking guy, Grace. (laughs) He's sleep. (laughs) (laughs) No, we get right to it. Sleep talking guy. We see where that's going. And he's just talking in his sleep and he's saying something like, 
you're gonna die Farley. It's your time tomorrow. So yeah, we're kind of getting that information right away. And I really like how, <laughs> I love how she tells her mother that her business meeting is just about to start. I know. And like, it's nighttime, isn't it? Or we don't, I guess, yeah, he's sleeping. Right? Yeah, so it's, that's right. It's night. And our business meeting is just about to start. Yeah. That's funny. It's just kind of a quick setup of the plot, I guess. No real mystery going on so far. Watching this back then, you would have been wondering, what's this all about? He's talking to himself. She's just standing there. But it's a good introduction to what's going to happen later because he's talking too much in his sleep and she is listening. No question. Maybe I figured that out for myself. In... Um... Season one, episode two, um, Gunfight at the Sosa Corral. What was that, guys? Was it Farley Rye? Wait, Harley Farley Rye. Rye. Farley Farley Rye. Rye. So, yeah, yeah, so there is another Farley. There is another Farley, yeah. Yeah, what's with this name Farley? Mm, maybe it's somebody Glenn knew. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. Hey, write it down. There's a question. This is an odd <laughs> name, and it comes up again and again. Maybe it's someone's grandfather's name or something. You know what I mean? They're just throwing yeah. it in. It's a yeah. homage. I've noticed that with a lot of TV writers that they like to use similar things either in their same show or in a different show that they produce. They use the same name of a character or music or, yeah, it's just a theme. So he might just like the name. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just a fun name, you know, Farley. I don't know any Farleys these days. Do you know any Farleys? No. No. (laughs) What? My next dog, if it's a male, maybe a maybe mm. a good name for a dog, Farley. Mm. I know a Marley, but not a Farley. And my grandson is Harley. Is Harley. Okay. Yes, exactly so. But no Farleys. Nope. But yet there's two Farleys on Moonlining so mm. far. There you go. All right. Well, Maddie is doing her favorite thing, Grace. She's on her calculator again. Mm-hmm. She's pressing those numbers, adding those numbers. And there's a knock on the door. Who's there? Hap. Hap who? Hap P. (laughs) Who's there? Hap. Hap who? Hap P. Hap P. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, Maddie and David. Happy anniversary to me and you. How fitting because it was our anniversary recently too. That's right. He was singing happy anniversary to us. Yes. And you know what? I should have used this clip on social media for our anniversary. I know. I know. know. That crossed my mind as well. So he comes in and begins to sing the anniversary song. Well, it's really happy birthday, but it's an anniversary song for him. Yeah. All work and no play makes any girl a lousy partner. (laughs) A lousy partner. And he's definitely buttering her up for something with champagne. One year ago today, you slithered into my office and pleaded with me to go into business. (laughs) She completely ignores that comment. That's just hilarious. And, of course, she says, A year, huh? Why does it seem so much longer? (laughs) It does seem longer, though. Isn't that funny to think that this is a sleep-talking guy... And now in real time, I'm not sure if it was that it's, exactly a year. It's 16 months, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like a long time ago from the pilot, I guess, to this episode. January 85 to April 86. Okay. I love this scene, how he moves her around. 
so much when they're sitting on the desk and he moves, you know, moves. So he's sitting on the other side of her and then the chair. And then he's very much um, hands on with Maddie. Did you notice the goof? Uh, No. He hands her the champagne glass and she takes it with her left hand. In the next cart, when he grabs her to stand up to come around the front of the desk, it's in her right hand. Oh, okay. Okay. I was thinking you were going to say how much champagne in the glass was changing. No, they were always full. (laughs) It didn't seem like they were drinking at all. You know, I think I figured out the key to our success. Separate offices? (laughs) (laughs) This whole spiel that he says here, it's such a great way to butter somebody up. And he's using his examples again. We're on the same wavelength, you and I. We communicate. We what? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I don't know whether, you know, when he says, don't be funny, it doesn't become you. It sounds like it doesn't become me when he says it. Don't be funny, it doesn't become me. So it's our anniversary, huh? So it's our anniversary, huh? So it's our anniversary, uh huh? It's so Glenn. Very Glenn writing. (laughs) My goodness, I had no idea. That's okay. I've got lots of them. I'll loan you one. I think it was Spinks and Holmes, Sears and Roebuck, Heckle and Jekyll. So Holmes and Spinks were both boxers, so they must have fought a lot, maybe. Oh, right. Okay, that's good. And Sears and Roebuck is a department store, is it? Yes. Sears, Roebuck & Co. It was American chain of department stores founded in 1892. Very much part of my childhood. And Heckle and Jekyll, I didn't, I thought he was talking about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but I looked it up and they're cartoon Mm. characters. Yep. Rings a bell. There's such a really good fast banter here. Like we've stuck it out through thick and thin, through good cases, through bad cases. We stuck it out through thick and thin, through good cases, through bad cases. Through no cases. Through no cases. Yeah. (laughs) Really good. I love this little back and forth. Yeah. Such great dialogue here. It's their anniversary, comes and sing to her. It's fun that they're celebrating something together. And he's reminding her of everything they've been through over the year. It's definitely a milestone. Helps at the time, I guess. The time framing it within the world of moonlighting. They both look beautiful, of course. Drinking champagne. Yeah, just kind of a different way to open the show, I guess. I mean, kind of like a private moment that we're peeking in on of them really just having you know, a moment that's not built around a case or Mm. bantering about some nonsense, you know, it's, they're sharing a moment that it's a milestone in their relationship. Yeah. And no anger until later anyway. (laughs) Yeah. He's really laying the groundwork for buttering her up for eventually asking her what he wants to ask her. I like the physical comedy when he says, lay the groundwork for the future today. And that means understanding the past which means we have to analyze why we are doing so well and then give credit where credit is due. Where credit is due, we do, we do. And, you know, she's turning around to him and he's behind her. And I love that bit. That's that's so mm-hmm. good. So funny. Credit where credit is due. Credit where credit is due. We do? We do. Says who? Says me. All the double uses of words. He's so good at that. <laughs> and this is where he slowly begins to tell her that um, we have to give recognition to those folks that are put in the late hours, the loyal worker who tracks down that extra bad guy or two. I don't <laughs> see the Wobblies go and doing that, but anyway. And you know who these people are. <laughs> it just so happens I do. Maddie, a year has gone by. 
Now is the time to assess performance, evaluate efficiency, review salaries. Review salaries. She sees where he's going with this. (laughs) Well, one salary in particular. I love it when you get specific. (laughs) And he's in shock now because she agrees with him. I know. I was surprised too that she agrees with them. She doesn't disagree that it might be time to evaluate his salary. I think you're entitled to more compensation. And he says, Not to mention money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I love that. I think he wants a different type of compensation. Mom, David. Yeah. So he toasts to her, to a terrific lady boss. They sip. So, 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 ho, ho, so, ho, 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 how much? <laughs> And she's like, it's 8.30 at night. And she feels uncomfortable. She doesn't want to talk figures with him. Come on, I got no place to go. And everybody knows you're miserably alone. Oh, my goodness. That was a bit harsh, wasn't it? I know, jeez. Anyway, she wants to handle it in a professional way. So what does he do? He breaks a pencil in half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Long straw wins. She decides to rip the paper and they both write down their figure. And boy, does he disagree. He gets really angry and loud with her in this section, doesn't he? Yes. And that's why she didn't want to start naming figures right now. But I think she makes a good point because her number is based on his office behavior. And then, of course, you know, the whole crux of the episode is, you know, that he's never actually solved the case, Yeah. which I'm wondering if, you know, we need to discuss, is this true? Has he never solved a case when we look okay, back? Okay, Sean, I guess what I've done. Uh-huh, I, thought, I thought you would. I thought you would. And every faith and grace to look back and see if he has. I actually disagree with her. Yeah. It's true. A lot of them just fell in their lap. And you know what? I've noticed a lot of them she actually solved. Oh, okay. Or as she says, they kind of worked themselves out. And sometimes that's true too. That's true, yes. So the pilot, okay, the pilot, that sort of worked itself out. That wasn't really a, no, okay. Gunfight, no, not really. They just sort of, what do you think? I said no on that one. Gunfight was like, it kind of fell in their lap and then they had to go through the motions and it kind of worked itself out again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Read the mind, see the movie. David was a bit suspicious about stuff, but he didn't actually solve it because they walked in on Vivian with a laser gun. They were still trying to work it out. But he was suspicious because he goes to Maddie's house at night, wakes her up and says, I don't understand who had motive to do this. I understand this. I understand that. And I understand Omar Gauss and all that, but I don't get it. So he was suspicious there, but he didn't actually solve it until they walked in. Now, the next murder you hear, I think Maddie found that Paul McCain was alive. Then that sort of worked itself yep. out because Sonny yeah. walked in and saw Paul and had thought, oh, no, that's not good. I killed Laura's husband. Mm-hmm. Now, next stop murder, he faked it. He said, get those knuckleheads together. I think I know who our murderer is, which he didn't. I think he faked it. I think he bluffed his way through that one. <laughs> the murders okay. in the mail, I think they just... They were investigating. How and did they find out? The CIA guy comes to their office. He leaves and then David says, hang on a minute, he didn't make a phone call. But he still doesn't know. He does kind of follow the breadcrumbs and like. Yeah. That one he may the, have kind of solved, you know, then they go to the ballroom or whatever. The Biltmore, which is mentioned in this episode as well. The Biltmore is very popular. Yeah. That's another thing Glenn's used again. 
Yeah, they stop the assassination from happening, but he doesn't actually do a Jessica Fletcher and go, oh, I know who, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh, so right. that one's questionable. And the is, yeah, questionable. Um, brother, can you spare a blonde? There wasn't really a case. Uh, it was just the money that he borrowed right. off his brother. The guy was chasing him for it. Yeah, it wasn't really a case. It was kind of like he had to help Richie and who was in trouble. Mm. And Navarone came to him. And then he knew there were, there was trouble. Yeah. That wasn't really a case. Scott Ryan. I'm just kidding. Cause he said that uh, every daughter's father was the first one without a case, but no, he said the sun also rises is the one. Yeah. He says the sun also rises is the first one without a case. I think he said, is that right? Without a case. Yeah. The lady in the iron mask. He was intuitive in this one. He went to the rooftop and they watched through the window. Cause he said, where did the wiggle go? Mm-hmm. They had that fight about she wanted to work alone and they went on their separate ways and they both dressed up as the lady in the iron mask to investigate and they happened to be there when the husband walks in dressed as the wife. So Maddie and David did the exact same things to like solve that one and then it all came to light. So you can't say that was David solving the case. No, no. Okay, next one. Money talks, Maddie walks. Well, there's no case in that one. She goes to South America. The dream sequence always rings twice. We won't count that. That's in a completely different era. (laughs) Right. Now, My Fair David. I think this one was more solved by David because he didn't see any bits of guy. True. Yes. Then they realized that Clark was alive and that they did it again. So, Mm. you know, a few of them did require David being observant, like you said, where's the wiggle? You know, where's the bits of guy? Oh, he didn't make the phone call. So, I mean, even right there, I think, like you said, maybe there's not this aha moment, Mm. but he's bringing to light some important information there that did contribute to solving it. So he's intuitive and he found the clue, a clue, a clue. So that one, yeah, maybe. Um, In knowing her, Maddie solves it about the two bullets. Yep. Somewhere under the rainbow, I'll put no because they dug up the croc and then they just kind of helped her to the airport and all of that. So, no, I wouldn't say he solved the case there. Yeah. And McBride showed up at the airport and, yeah, he headed off with a hernia. So that was the end of that. Portrait of Maddie. I think Maddie solved that one when she saw the image through the mirror, through the window, which was non-existent in the loft. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Maddie solved that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlas belched. I mean, he solves the case. He finds the Rolodex at the yeah, dump. Yeah, that's true. But it wasn't really, if I'm going to be particular, it wasn't a case for Blue Moon. He went out on his own on that one. But is she saying you didn't? You never solved the case for Blue Moon, or you, you know, you've never really solved it? Just a case. Mm. But like, what was the case and? I'll say he, okay, I might give him that one. He did find the Rolodex. He did work it all out as far as like what needed to happen. But what was the case really? Like he was trying to take work away from Lou LaSalle really, right? I mean, you know, he wanted to like show that he could do investigative work. So that company would hire him instead of Lou LaSalle or something like that. Yeah, he wanted to be hired by Wellman, work for him instead of, yeah. yeah I don't, I'm so not sure I, yeah. about I'm not sure about Atlas Belched. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. 
I mean, in a way, he did solve a crime, a burglary. They've stolen the Rolodex. He checked the bin and it wasn't there. They've gone that extra step to go to the tip. So, sorry, to the dump. (laughs) Um, Twas the episode before Christmas. I think that just all sort of played out. What do you think? Twas with the baby and all. Mm. Yeah, because Mary came to them and that's when they figured out what really happened. Yeah. So Mm. I think Maddie did more on that than David did, didn't she? I think it was more of a playful episode. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And Mary came to them and everything kind of just played out on that one. Bride of Tupperman. I say a big yes on this one. Okay. When they go to Connecticut and Tupperman's in the hospital bed and that's when David starts saying, oh, you had a pretend wife and you took out insurance policies. And Maddie's like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) He he, uh, figured it all out during the commercial break. That's correct. Yeah, he took him the commercial break to do it. David solved the case. Yeah, David solved that. So I disagree with you, Maddie. We've got like one and a half right now. That's true. Okay. North by North to Pesto, zero. So he wasn't even in that one. Well, he was, but there was no case for David in that one, only Agnes. In God We Strongly Suspect, I think Maddie solved that one. What was the case on that one again? Um, that was the magician. Uh, the magician, yeah, and the Kandinsky's. Yeah, that was Maddie. Be- and the reason I think she solved it is because they were in the car when they were having that banter and she said, hang on, who would question the coroner? He's the coroner, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's yeah. when David says, oh, we need the guys to spin the road or spin the car around. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah so I think Maddie solved that one. Okay, every daughter's father is a virgin. Well, there's no case there. And but, sorry? But oh, I sorry. disagree with you. Oh, I disagree with you on that one. Oh, of because, course. Yeah. Yeah. He, yes, idiot. he tracked down the woman and followed her dad and yes. figured it all out. What lying, cheating, rap scallion are you following now? Are you, Mr. Hayes. And he was very, very cluey the way he did that too. Yes. Got him yes. out of the hotel room so he could go up there and, and he found the room number and he went up there and saw the woman. So. Yeah, he was solved. probably yep. more tenacious on that one than any than any of them, you yeah. know, than any other. And of course, I don't think Maddie's counting that one because it wasn't an official case, but she's not counting it. But he solved that one. Yep. And then witness for the execution, Maddie solved that for him. Yep. The slippers. Mm, the slippers. So I disagree with you, Maddie. Let us continue. We disagree with Maddie, but he's only at two point five. After how many episodes? <laughs> well, <laughs> He's only solved 2.5 <laughs> cases after. <laughs> you can now go to coffee.com slash moonlighting the podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast and buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right, a door slam. Some devoted moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud. Let's see, there were what, six six episodes the first season and now we're up to 16, 17, you know, good 20 plus cases. 
And those are just the ones that we've seen because they've got to have, have others that we don't. Mm. Um, and he's, he's only solved 2.5. So he's That's not so really a, a hell of a detective, is he? But he is observant. He is observant. We'll give yes, him that. I think he's observant, cluey. He's intuitive. Yeah. I'm calculating it on my calculator, which doesn't have a paper roll on it. But are you counting the pilot as two? No, I don't Probably think so. not because that's only one case. Yeah. 21. There's 21 episodes. Yeah. So 11.9% strike rate. <laughs> um, you know what? I wouldn't be giving him a bonus, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I think Maddie was right. His office behavior was taken into account. And he's got some improving to do around the office. Mm, especially from the last episode. That's right. <laughs> especially from the last episode. <laughs> Walking around like... in his um, red heart boxer shorts. Yes, his attire and her place of business. So they disagree on the raise and, you know, whatever he put and whatever she put. There was a big discrepancy and we don't know the numbers. And he storms out and she's the most unfeeling, uncaring person he's ever met. Yeah, he's really hurt here Um, because Maddie says, it occurs to me that you've never actually solved a case. The cases have worked themselves out, sometimes in spite of you, us. Yeah. And he says, you calling me incompetent? You're hurt. No, I'm not hurt. Later when the numbness wears off, then I'll be hurt. Oh. Yeah, and that's when he says that she's ungrateful and unfeeling. and, Mm -hmm. And if you're not, it ain't going to take a lot of practice to get there. And, of course, she screams out, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I mean, she's just being honest. That's what she believes. Yeah. She's actually not trying to be a bitch here. She's actually just being honest. She's being a businesswoman. She's being a boss, not a buddy. And he goes, yeah, right, inflicting pain comes naturally to you. You only have to think about it. And he slams his door. I don't think we've had a really heavy slam like that from David for a while or if ever. I'm not not sure. For a while. He did slam a couple doors, but but um, yeah, but this is this is yeah, what feeling. He nearly broke the door down. <laughs> yeah, he's really mad, but you know, yeah, he's really hurt. I guess we should say. So yes, and then Maddie follows them. This is when the Wobblies really get their money's worth, right? Ticket to the Maddie and David show, like mm-hmm. when they're yelling and screaming yeah. and storming across, you know, the office and everything. So. Blue moon, so no, but this is late at night, though they're not there. Oh, wasn't um, Agnes there? No, this is 8 30 at night, remember? Yeah, it's later. My memory is like picturing uh, her sitting there with a coffee cup or something. Yeah, um, she just screams out, Happy anniversary to you, too. And oh, yeah, um, she says, Good night. And he comes out of his door and says, What's so good about it? And he slams the door, then she slams the door. So far, we have three door slams already. Yes. The lighting is really good again in here when she grabs yeah. her bag to leave. You know, the blue, the nice blue. Yes. 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 Very Jerry. Yes. yes. Very Jerry. <laughs> but this time it's the foreground that's blue when she walks out of her office. So it's quite good. Yep. She goes to the elevator and that same girl that was in the previous scene walks out and looks at her, then heads around the corner. And we're assuming that she's going to Blue Moon. And, of course, David is found twirling in his chair, round and round, singing his version, 
his version of happy anniversary. <laughs> happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, Marius. Eat turn and die. Eat turn and die. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> He's not right. happy with Maddie. Nope. Now, my question here is that woman, she kind of chose, which they um, mention a lot, or David always kind of says that to her, like, why did they choose us, Maddie? Why did they choose you? You know, because you're a woman and stuff like that. Now, she chose Blue Moon because she was looking for Maddie, right? And she thought as a woman detective, she could relate, right? Yes. But she turned around and she looked, did like a double take at Maddie and looked at her. Mm. But like, she must have known who Maddie Hayes was because she was pretty famous at the time and, you know, people recognized her. So why didn't she say like, oh, Maddie Hayes? Mm. Because they looked at each other and then, you know, she just let her go. And then she goes, is this Maddie Hayes' detective agency or something like that? She mentions Maddie. And it's like, well, yeah, but you just saw her in the elevator. Yeah, I think this episode, Toby has taken over Sybil's minutes in the show. There's a lot of scenes <coughs> with just David and Toby, David and Toby. So they've reduced oh. the amount of time Sybil's on the screen and there's a lot of single shots throughout the whole thing especially the one with Agnes later and that's the only reason I think they've done it that way otherwise it would have been good to have Maddie and David discussing the case with her yeah which normally Um, would happen I put my notes Sybil getting a break episode because eight minutes in and they go their separate ways yeah although I think you do get a good dose. It's not like a the pesto where they're peppering in. No. David, you know, you still get a good dose of them throughout the episode. So they do a good job of making it seem like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and there's reasons that they're separated. Kind of like in Atlas Belched, I guess, like Glenn said, they were in every scene together that they kind of had to start doing things like this, where they would have like separate things to do, mm-hmm. but you'd get enough of them to satisfy the audience. But you're right. And Toby even wears Maddie's clothes. <laughs> Yes. Or at least the same designer. Same, yeah. The colors are very similar. Yeah. They always use the same sort of colors on this show. They don't sway. They'll never put a bright red on her or. Yeah. It's always soft pastel sort of colors. Yeah. The more pastels. But someone, I think, and maybe in our um, Moonlighting group, fans of the Moonlighting podcast group, said that Toby was actually wearing one of Maddie's dresses in here that Maddie had worn in another episode. Now, I don't see that. I was kind of looking at Toby's clothes. Definitely the same designer, same fabrics and coloring. Unless someone can point it out a specific outfit. I don't think she was actually wearing Maddie's clothes. But You're the expert on the costume changes, but I, I didn't notice. I didn't look at it and think, oh, that's Maddie's dress because they're all cut down to South America. I know. Very much the same designer though that same fabric oh, oh of course yeah 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 but not you know not the same thing but i think someone mentioned that so i don't have to look take a closer look okay but i think up. obviously the reason that they didn't speak when they crossed each other's paths in the elevator is that david needed the information from toby to solve what? the cases <laughs> and get income for blue moon and yeah whereas yeah. if um Maddie if was Maddie there, was there it probably yeah. wouldn't have happened. She would have gone, no, we're not taking this case. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scene? <laughs> yeah. She would have kicked her out on her ear. Yeah, I know. Now, David here. So, okay, well, first of all, another note I put was Bruce's 
Jersey accent was so present in this episode. <laughs> it comes out so much. You just, I just hear it so much in this whole episode. Oh, really? Yeah, especially when he's in the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. David questions her about this sleep-talking guy. It must be present in this scene as well, because I put Bruce Willis's Jersey accent so present. There's a bunch of words that he says where he just, he's kind of doing that, dumb and dozer, you know, kind of. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's certain words that he says, very much a Jersey accent. Kind of like Sybil's Memphis accent kind of seeps through, mm-hmm. sometimes his Jersey accent, you know. Bruce actually commented on that during that Atomic. Watching Atomic, he's like, yes. oh, he's like Hoboken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's like, and you're not even going to talk to me. You know, in, in the pilot, he like imitates himself. Like, yeah, he lost some of that Jersey accent or probably worked on losing some of that Jersey accent. But um, it's definitely present here. And I was wondering if maybe it's because he used to work in a club in New York. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was just that environment brought out more of that side of him. Environment that is very comfortable in, you know, a bar and mm-hmm. socializing and talking to girls. Yeah. And subconsciously, it's just come out because that was that environment. That's what I was thinking. Now, the funny thing here, he's so David Addison in the scene because he goes straight from detective talking to Maddie, asking for a raise and all of that to like hitting on this girl. Like these are our, you know, eating, drinking, sleeping hours or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, because he finds out that she's a miss, not a missus. Exactly. Right away. He's working on, oh, okay, this girl walks, you know, right into my office and just happens to be the time where I'm getting off work to go have Mm. drinks. Why don't I take her along with me? Perfect. Until he finds out she's a prostitute. I don't think David does prostitutes. No. He doesn't need to. But what I found interesting was um, the girl says, excuse me, while he's twirling his chair. Yeah. Is this Maddie Hayes detective agency? And he goes, she seems to think so. (laughs) Um, I thought I just saw her getting on the elevator. And he goes, are you a friend of hers? Yeah. And I put here, Maddie has friends. Like... (laughs) Not another friend. Every time Maddie has a friend, like there's trouble. <laughs> <laughs> he'll get shot at with another laser beam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he'll have an affair with her. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you a detective? Depends on who you talk to. (laughs) Lots of good comebacks. Yeah, and that's when she said, look, I really need to talk to a detective. And he says, these really aren't business hours. What these are are eating, drinking, and trolling hours. A trolling hours, that we mm. okay. Yes, absolutely. And then he goes, now, if you're hungry, thirsty, or willing, and he gets cut off. 
<laughs> so Addison, look at him go to work. Oh my God, he was full on. He was like really trying to get back at Maddie here. Oh yeah. All right. So now she tells him the info that this guy Farley is going to be murdered in the elevator on the ninth floor of the Biltmore Hotel. And David is very curious as to how she knows this. And yes. she discloses her occupation and I like his response to that. Okay. And she, you know, discloses how she's getting this information. And for obvious reasons, she's uncomfortable in speaking to the police about it because then she'll have to disclose what her occupation is. <laughs> and then he gets down to money. Like, what are you hiring me to do? And she goes, I didn't know I was hiring you. Well, that's the way it works, baby. And then Toby says, hey, I don't even know who this Farley guy is. Why would I want to pay to protect some guy I don't even know? So they just left it at that. And he thought, well, you know, I'm not going to continue on with this. He probably didn't believe what she was saying. How could it possibly be so that she would know that somebody's going to be killed specifically at this place, at this time, on this floor of this building? I know. And she said, okay, well, all right, forget it. I just wanted to tell somebody, no big deal. And that was that. And yeah. he lets her walk away. She's doing the right thing. I mean, she heard something and, you know, she's trying to get the guy help, um, mm -hmm. but it's not making sense to David yet. And like mm -hmm. she says, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to hire someone, you know, pay money to save him either, but I thought I should try to let someone know. It's a, it's a good plot. Makes sense. Yeah, it's not making sense to him yet mm -hmm. until the next morning. <laughs> until the next morning. <laughs> yeah. Interesting elevator scene. Yeah. Maddie makes the first move by saying good morning. And he just has a sarcastic remark, yep, every day at this time. You know how I said he was chivalrous in a previous episode? He is not chivalrous in this scene. He walks no. out of the elevator before her. Yep. He is still angry. They both enter Blue Moon angry and poor Agnes. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, they're at it again. <laughs> so he slams the door open. I've put here times two. Yeah, because she opens it as well. So, you know, I counted that as two. So yeah. they enter Blue Moon. Morning, Mr. Addison. Uh -huh. Morning, Miss Hayes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and then they both slam their doors. Yes. So we're up to seven slams, believe it or wow. not, so far. <laughs> and, of course, I love it when Agnes says, Not morning, people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is great. Okay. Oh, dear. And did you notice when they individually slam their own doors? Yeah. I don't think it's them. It's just an arm. You just see an arm. Mm -hmm. You don't see them doing it. Yes, I know. It's just kind of a perfect straight-on shot slam. Yes. I paused it as much as I could, but I'm like, nah, it's just an arm. It could be anybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes, it wasn't them. David's in his office and he's walking around. He swings the chair and he goes over to the window. What do you think he's thinking? I'm thinking he's looking at the window thinking, what am I doing here? I should get another job. No, I don't like the way I'm being treated. I deserve a raise. What do you think's mm -hmm. going through his mind? I think he's feeling sorry for himself, mm -hmm. thinking that he deserves more credit. Maddie is not appreciating him. Yes, for sure. And he sits down, puts his feet on the desk and starts reading the back page of the newspaper yes. while the rest of the country reads the front page. <laughs> yes, that was a good little thing. Underworld figure, S. Farley, found dead in elevator. And then he turns it around. And I like how they've done this because you don't see his response. You only hear it. 
from the other side of the door. Yeah. And yeah. all you hear is, <laughs> <laughs> and he opens the door to leave and slams the door closed. So there's another slam. It's really weird, his reaction here. His face is like lit up. His eyes are wide open. And yeah. he just salutes Agnes and goes out and slams the door. Hello, Mr. Addison. Goodbye, Mr. Addison. And it's almost like he's almost even saluting like Maddie towards Maddie's door or something like that. He's kind of, yeah, he is kind of lit up. Like you said, he's like, looks like a madman. But he's kind of saluting the office, you know, because his eyes are kind of looking over to the right, I thought. Yeah. So we're 12 minutes into the episode and we've already got nine door slams. Crazy. Yes, this is a very high door slam episode. Yeah. We're getting up there with My Fair David. There was a lot of slams in that one. Yeah. All right. So we're at the nightclub. We're at a nightclub and there's a song on called Baby Talk by Alicia. Mm-hmm. I remember that song. Very certainly yeah. is. It was recorded before Alicia, but she recorded it um, in 1985. And it reached number one on the Billboard Hot Dance Club Songs chart in December 1985. So this was only four months later. So it was probably a pretty hot song at the time. Yes. And if you think of the title, Baby Talk, you know, because it's all about this guy talking in his sleep and giving information mm. and all of that. So mm. the title of the song kind of lends itself to the plot. Um, I have a question, though, the timeline. I um, know. Do you have that question too? Because he only just got to the office, read the newspaper and ran straight back out, but now he's at a nightclub. So, But they kind of cover their butts here <laughs> because he says, I've been to like every place in town. He did mention that this wasn't the first place that he'd gone. Yes, you're right. Because he said, I've been to every bar in Beverly Hills or something. Yeah. So he had been looking for her for quite some time. This could even be so, you know, David, he may have had a drink in some of those, you know, this looks like a happy hour crowd. So this could be four or five. Yeah, maybe. May not. It looks like it's late night. I'm guessing it's like five or six here. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because he's obviously been. But then he shouldn't have been really looking for her during the day. You wouldn't think that's not her. Like her hours are p.m., not (laughs) a.m. Oh, yeah. I agree, yes. Anyway, let's just say he's been looking all day. They cover the timeline a little bit there, but I yes. thought the same thing at first. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> what was the deal with going up to the bar and he kept blowing out the guy's match and the, the guy got sick of it and walked away? <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't sure if David didn't want to smell a cigarette, but then sometimes he smokes, but, you know, sometimes you don't want to smell a cigarette. Or... Was David trying to get him to leave? Because if there was a breeze that was, you know, not allowing him to light a cigarette, which kind of worked. Yeah, it was just weird. But yeah, David had his mouth open. You could tell, you know, you could hear the breath too, even through the music. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. He was kind of crowded in there. And I think he maybe wanted the room to talk to the bartender. I don't know. I guess they got to leave. The bartender says, what can I get you? I'm looking for a girl. You and every other guy in this place. Mm Mm-hmm. But then he notices, well, he doesn't know her name yet. We call her Toby, but he doesn't know her name yet. But anyway, uh, he notices her at the bar and walks over to her. And she is definitely not happy to see him. He goes in there. He's eating crow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
I read the paper this morning. Dear Abby said something interesting. She said, when two people meet, they should introduce themselves. (laughs) I guess I forgot to do that last night. I'm David Addison. Mm. And she basically says, look, I'm working. Will you go away? Then he said he read about Farley. And she's right. Come to the party a little late, aren't you? Yep. You should have listened to me last night. And I like this line when she says, You didn't do anything. I told you so you could get there before anything happened, but you didn't do anything. Yeah. So she tells him to move away because it's confusing her customers. No man will come up to her if he keeps standing there. And that's when he says that he's been at every bar and every hotel in Beverly Hills. And he's getting really serious now. He's like, oh, I really want to talk to you. Toby's saying these are not her talking hours, which is very true. It is true. It's her working hours. Yeah. Listen, I need to talk to you. Well, these are not exactly my talking hours. Actually, what these are are my being wined and dined and treated just fine hours. Can you hear me all the way over here with my foot in my mouth? (laughs) All right. So all she can hear is the sound of money talking. So David offers to pay her to get her off the market for a while. And she said, oh, give me five minutes. She walks off and he goes, I'm going to need a receipt. <laughs> How's he going to explain this to Maddie? <laughs> I know. Yeah. How's he going to uh, yep, turn in his uh, reimbursement card for this one? Mm. Now, Toby definitely has, you know, another one of these very Maddie outfits on. A pastel pink with the like silky printed material with the shoulder pads. And she's smoking a cigarette in this scene. So, yeah, I think David was blowing up the match so the guy would move. Because the cigarette's not bothering him here. Anyway, he wants to pay for her time. So now we're at Toby's hotel room. And she opens the door to him and he says, Culligan man. So, of course, Grace had to look that up, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant either. Yeah. So the Culligan man, this is what I'm assuming it is. They were guys that delivered water. You know, the big water bottles? Yes. It's a global treatment company from Illinois. They specialize in water treatments such as water softeners, drinking water, filtration systems, whole home filtration systems, bottleless water coolers, and Mm -hmm. bottled water delivery for residential, commercial, and industrial consumers. So pretty big company. Bloody hell. Mm -hmm. 7,500 employees. But anyway, that's what he's saying. He's delivering water. (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. Now, you know, it just occurred to me. Yeah. You know what they love in this show? The chain on the door. Oh, yes. You know, (laughs) Maddie's always got that chain. Do you think it's like, instead of just like, boom, opening the door kind of adds an extra, you know, thing to do. Like you get a peek at someone, you know, it's like even Toby here with her hotel room. She knows David's coming up, right? But she's got that chain on the door. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I think it's great for single shots. Like you got the chain in the foreground and and the face behind it. Yeah, maybe it adds an extra, you know, visually an extra thing. Write it down, Grace. Another question. <laughs> Come join our Facebook community at Fans of Moonlighting the Podcast and our Instagram community at Moonlighting the Podcast. Yeah, so she lets him in and she begins to undress and he stops her. Yeah. He goes, I'm not even going to mess your hair up. So mess he just wants up. information out of her. Well, um, she starts to undress and he says, no, don't do that. And then I think they have a little more interaction. And he says, you're going to love this. It's not even going to mess your hair up. That's right. There are other times in the show when David has a chance to sleep with a prostitute. But he, yeah, he doesn't seem to go for that. I know he's working right here and he has his other, it may have other reasons, you know, keep it professional and stuff like that. 
But even like they have this conversation, which we'll talk about. But even as he's leaving, she suggests again that he stay and they sleep together. Yeah, she's very disappointed that he's leaving. I think she likes him. Yeah, she wants to sleep with him, but he's not having it at all. And is that what we would expect from David? I mean, he seems like a guy that likes to get laid. Maybe it's her occupation that's um, stopping him. Or he might have some principles. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I think it's an interesting quality of his character. He never seems to really go for prostitutes. And I think here he is mindful, like, he's seeing this as part of an an extension of work. So he's not going to blur the lines there. Mm. I guess. That's what it seems like. I think he's keeping that separate. He's doing the right thing. So he wants to know more information about this guy that talks in his sleep. He wants to know his name. And she's saying, I don't know his name. I don't need to know his name. He pays by cash. They meet up several times a week at the bar and then they come up to the room. And then she confirms with David that he is on the clock while they're together in the room. And that's when she goes into talking about the guy. So she says he's a schlub. He's connected somehow in the underworld, but not high up in the rankings by the sound of it, but he knows things. Yes. Um, So maybe he's not the killer, but he organizes the hits, so to speak. And she knows that he doesn't carry them out. He just knows stuff. And it's a nice cut here too when she stands in front of the window, the blue background again, you could see the leaves Mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, if she's in room 1411, I don't, I just thought of this. If she's in room 1411, there shouldn't be leaves outside. (laughs) You would think it's a 14th floor, yeah? Those are some very tall trees. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How cute does David look? He looks very handsome in this episode. But uh, one thing I noticed later, has he dyed his hair? His hair looks darker in this episode. Do you reckon? You know, I notice it a lot in future seasons it, that he plays around with colour, but it looks darker. There were some, I don't know if you've ever watched them, but on YouTube you should with uh, Jerry Finnerman. There's some really good interviews and he talks about how Bruce lost his hair really quickly, started losing his hair really quickly. And they kind of had to darken it, even with shoe polish sometimes. Oh, my God. I know. So I don't know if they always, like, got the color right and stuff. And as far as lighting and as far as, like, camera angles, they had to be careful. So, yes, I think if you kind of look closely, it looks like they've filled in some color in Mm. his hair. Yeah, there's they put some color on it, maybe his scalp to make it look like he has hair and he's not so balding. Yeah, and in this episode, the top of his head, you can see it's starting to change. Yeah. What is the the episode where Maddie wants David to take her to her cousin's <laughs> wedding? What oh, about, what that's... Um, the man who cried the, wife? No, it's um, Funeral for a Doornail. Yeah, in Funeral for a Doornail, his hair is a lot darker there mm. and a lot more filled in. Yeah, so... I think you do start to, you're right, you know, just the color is maybe different from episode to episode or a little mm. bit, you know, depending on yeah, what they've used to kind of darken the scalp and stuff. But his looks, you know, we're always talking about the evolution of his looks from kind of like geeky guy to hot, <laughs> hot man. Yeah, he's really coming into his own here. And the scene reminds me of the scene in Knowing Her when he shows up at Jillian's hotel. Yes. You know, he kind of has that same demeanor. Yes. Yeah, he does. 
And I always love to watch his interaction with different women. It's so different to when he's with Maddie. Oh, my God, totally, yes. You know, and it's, much... it's slower dialogue too. It's just mm-hmm, like a normal true. TV show. But when he's with Maddie, he acts completely different. And so he should because that's, yeah. Yeah, he's more it's intimidated by Maddie. Yeah, it's a different relationship. So He's a little right. bit more confident with these women, confident and flirty. And just kind of more like smug and arrogant, I guess, all the time mm-hmm. with it. You know, where with Maddie, he's more intimidated by her, I guess, is a good way to put it. So What's David that? has a brainwave. He's worked it out. He goes, okay, how much does he pay you for an all-nighter? And she says $1,000. And he gives her $500 for staying awake, for being a good listener, and for calling him the next morning. How does he have all this money in his wallet? I know. He doesn't need a pay rise if he's got 500 bucks in his wallet. <laughs> he may have pulled money out. Oh, maybe he was prepared. Yeah. He thought. Oh, I'm sure that yeah, he was he thought like. ahead. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to pay this girl. You know, if he, she's getting information. She's a prostitute. I'm going to have to pay her cash. All right. So he's organized that with her. Stay awake. Listen. Let me know. He starts to walk out. And that's when she says. Hey. Party's over. Party's over. He's just not even entertaining the thought. Not even hard for him. And I think all the Moonies watching would have been very happy about that too. Yeah, for sure. You can't really have him sleeping now. Really tarnished. Even though we know what he gets up to in his debaucherous life outside of Blue Moon. And then Grace gets an Agnes Rhyme. Yes. So now it's two days later. We're at Blue Moon. And we have... (laughs) An Agnes Rhyme. Blue Moon Investigations, thanks for calling the only agency that offers a double your crime back guarantee. Amnesia cases are our special today. Finding the real you is our forte. We'll locate your name, find where you reside, and throw in a gala welcome home party besides. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really cute. It's so gorgeous. I hope she's getting permission to offer all these um, services. I know. It's so funny. Where's she coming up with this, you know? <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. So then she realizes who's on the phone. She's like, Yes. What? Who? <laughs> and she runs into Miss Hayes' office. Oh, oh, Miss Hayes. Uh oh. Mr. Edison isn't in yet. Uh oh. That is not uh oh news, Mr. Pesto. And Agnes comes in, slams the door, and goes, This is. The police want to talk to him. The police? What do they want? They didn't say. Uh oh. See? I told yep, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. See? It is that. Oh. <laughs> that is a really cute scene. I do love her rhyme there. And I was also looking at what Maddie was doing when um, Agnes walked in, and Maddie's sitting there kind of like looking at someone's business card, it looked like, and maybe doing some paperwork. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was just kind of like, she was kind of holding it like someone's business card and like looking at someone's card. And then. Oh. It looked like there were like notes next to her. Yeah, so she, I don't know, she's doing her own leg work, I guess. Um, maybe another case. See, there's cases we don't know about. Yeah, maybe. We don't see them all. So that's really cute. And then Maddie gets on the call. She goes, oh, well, I'll take the call and gets all the information from the police. She has a bit of a shocked look on her face. After she hangs up, Agnes is curious. She goes, is Mr. Addison in trouble? Anyway. Agnes leaves the office and <laughs> she comes back in. Just her little head in the door. Just got in. Just got in? Just got in. <laughs> Just got in. Question. 
Yes. What do you think about Maddie's hair in this episode? I think it's boofy, isn't it? Yeah. In this scene when she's sitting at her desk, it's kind of like, okay, you know how we were talking about, um, was it Every Daughter's Father? What was the one? Her hair was kind of parted in the middle and like pulled up. They do this weird kind of draping, you know, it's kind of like in these two drapes on either side of her face. Well, yes. this time it's like on parted the to the side. Now we were talking about that in Witness and Witness her hair, how it was parted and kind of poofy on each yeah. side. Yeah. But now yeah. this time, you know, it's like kind of parted to the side and it it's one poof is up. It looks like the other poof was supposed to be up, but it fell down. Like her hair just looks, looks poofy, but then like half mm. done in a way. I don't know. It's just... I don't know. But then it's um, it's only in this one scene. And then, you know, it's a little bit different when uh, she's in the main office. So, of course, different day. Yeah. Looks like half of it fell down. That's what it looks like to me. Mm. But then it, it looks really good in the main office. And it looks a little bit like My Fair David hair or something, maybe. I don't know what yeah. you mean. It seems a bit teased or a bit boofy. Yeah, it's big. And it's draped. <laughs> but then it looks better. The one in her office, it looks like end of day tired hair <laughs> yeah <laughs> like in twas she looked like she was melting throughout the episode you know in her hair by the end of some yeah. of those really physical office scenes it's like her hair is, has Flat. given up yes yeah, given up yep <laughs> bit like mine does falling. so then uh david comes in and i like this scene where she says can i see you for a minute he holds his arms out and does his twirl he's acting very smug and still mad so she watches him, you know, do his little turn and then walks in his office and he knows Maddie's following him, but he like attempts to even shove the door closed in her face. Yes. He shuts the door on her, but he keeps talking because he knows yeah, but, that she's behind. It's yes. weird. I know. It's so weird. He's so rude. Mm. So he's talking to her. He's turned into like asshole David. He's turned into like a very smug version of mm. himself. It's really annoying how he's acting towards Maddie, but. Which is exactly what you said. You know, he knows that she's following him in, but closed the door in her face anyway. Mm. But kept talking to her. He's definitely a smartass in this episode. He's not giving her anything. She wants all the information. She wants to know what's going on with the police. Mm -hmm. um, he apologizes for being late and that he had things to do this morning. So she goes on to tell him that the police called to congratulate him for cracking the case, to cracking their case. And she wants some answers. Delaware, all of the above, 90 degrees. Yep. So he's just being a smart ass. And he yep. goes, now you ask some questions. Maddie's feeling a little stupid. She doesn't know what's going on. And he's not giving her anything. And it's payback time in his eyes. That's what he's feeling. They walk out of his office. And she's like, David, 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 as your employer, I think I'm entitled to an explanation. And he's like, Maddie, 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 it's no big deal. I saw a wrong and tried to right it. I saw an injustice and I tried to balance the scales. And she says, See manure, know how to spread it. <laughs> the second time she's um, talked about manure. So she doesn't actually believe that he's cracked a case for the police. He turns to Mr. Pesto and says, Any messages for me? And she says, Just the mayor's office. They called to thank you for cracking the case and said if you're ever looking for work, there's a spot in the DA's office for you. There's a pause as they all look at each other. In other words, Maddie, I am a good detective and I do solve cases. He walks back into his office and closes the door, but he doesn't slam it. So I didn't count that. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I love this bit. Mm. So Maddie has a bit of an aha moment thinking, hang on a minute. 
the phone call from the police, and now Agnes has got a phone call from the mayor's office. She comes into David's office, slams the door open. Ha! Huh? Ha! 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 Ha!
Yes, and West End Girls is playing by the Pet Shop Boys, which was yep. a very popular song yes. in the 80s. Yep, it brings me back. Yep, sure does. Um, so he notices Toby sitting down having a drink and she's in shock when she sees him and she covers mm-hmm. her face. <laughs> mm-hmm. The guy she's with is reading a book, The Sleep Talking Oh, is he? Oh, I didn't yeah. notice that. Well, I'm glad he's giving her attention. Oh, my mm. God. Yeah, or maybe he's looking at the menu. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe that makes more sense. So David orders a bottle of champagne to be sent over to them and she decides to walk over to David. Yeah. And he has that look, looking her up and down, like he says, wow, under his breath about her, her cleavage. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. He's being a little bit obvious here don't you think i mean you know he's a flirty person i mean this is so like bruce slash david anyway you know yeah. yeah the looks the yeah the wow and he calls her honey and baby you know he's yes. got a lot of pet names for her here yeah. in this episode yeah um which i don't care for but <laughs> yeah just because i like him saying those things to maddie so he gives yeah. her the gift and um yeah. she goes over and opens it and it's um toiletry pouch type thing where you put your shampoo and yeah, yeah and it's in very maddy colors. I know those purples. You could probably jam a nighty in there if you have to. <laughs> yeah, a little tiny nighty. Not that she's wearing many nighties, probably, but maybe she had one at the beginning. I like her earrings in this because I had ones very similar, very, very similar in the eighties. Yeah, and yeah. she's got the diamonds sort of on the top, whereas I had them more on the outside of the ear, oh. the black on the inside. But yeah, very I had similar ones back then. Yeah. Actually, I probably still got them somewhere. Yeah, I probably stored away. Yeah, I like you know the dress, the you know satiny gray dress, and you know looks like it'd be very hard to keep wrinkle free. The hair, the earrings, the makeup, you know, and then the music—all very eighties, all very set in the time. David seems so. Happy to see her, kind of over, you know, over the moon in a way. Yeah, it's kind of giddy, but maybe mm-hmm. it's just more about this is working for him, you know, like keep this rolling. It's bugging Maddie and it's getting him attention and making him feel good. And she's the ticket, right? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, he's definitely motivated by the fact that this girl's going to give him information. He's going to solve some cases and really put it in Maddie's face. Mm hmm. Now, let me say something about this bar that they're at, especially in the last scene. It's so staged. I mean, I don't think they're on location because like when Toby's sitting there looking at the gift and, you know, the window is behind her, the blinds, Mm. it's like looking out into like nothing. You know what I mean? It looks like it's not a location, it's a set. And it's just kind of uh, not so much in these scenes when, you know, they're just meeting and the bars in the background and stuff like that. But the scene when everybody starts hitting each other. It's so, I don't know, it's like low budget or something. I just don't like it. I don't think it looks very good at all. It's not up to like moonlighting quality. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks like a soundstage and they've just dressed it up, put a bar in Mm -hmm. the middle, put some big Venetians in the middle, basically to separate people sitting down at the tables Mm -hmm. and for her to sit down and open her present and also for later to smash them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You don't see a lot of it because there's a lot of close shots, but it doesn't look like a real nightclub, no. And I really hate the blinds that are open looking out into brown and empty space. It's just weird. It's like, what kind of, just have them closed maybe or shuttered or I don't know. Just, I don't get the set, but maybe it was done the last minute, you know. 
I think they've just added it for another layer, you know, for yeah. visual, a visual layer. Yeah. Yeah. So Toby was smart by telling Jerry that David is her brother for now mm-hmm. so that he doesn't worry about who she's talking to. And then she tells David that, by the way, this is my Monday night. Oh, that's old motor mouth, is it? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is where David puts forth his idea about, well, his version of profit sharing, that she shares the information and he shares the profit. So he wants them to meet once a week and do their morning after the night before trick, as he says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets paid $500 and if they get lucky, there's a little extra bonus for her. Yeah, basically she shares the information and he shares the profits. I want to know where all the profits are coming from. How is he going to explain that on the Blue Moon books? Obviously, he's thinking, well, if I crack these cases, Blue Moon is going to be inundated with cases. We're going to get heaps of work. The income stream is going to be flowing in. But she's reluctant because, not that she really cares for him, but she doesn't really want him to go to jail either because she doesn't believe that he's murdering anybody. He's not doing anything wrong. But David talks her into it. David says, How's he going to find out? He doesn't know he talks in his sleep and he damn sure doesn't know anybody's listening. So he says, I'll pick you up tomorrow morning. Okay, sis. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I think Bruce and Lisa, her name is, I think they're good together. Yeah, she's pretty I like, cute. Yeah, I like these scenes together. I think they had a little bit of chemistry. Actually, I'll talk to you a little bit about Lisa Blount. She was born in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Mm. But unfortunately, she passed away in October 2010. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad because her mother found her dead in her home after two days of not being able to reach her. Mm. No signs of foul play and Mm. the cause of death hasn't been released. But, yeah, Mm. that was unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't do a lot of acting, but her career goes back to 77. A lot of supporting roles in TV shows. I remember her in uh, Murder, She Wrote. Okay. As I do. As I do. Always. As I do. Yeah. She was in the TV series Sons and Daughters. She did 13 episodes of that. She was in a series called Profit in 96, 97. Judging Amy. Yeah, the last thing she did was a TV movie in 2007. Yeah, so that's really sad about Lisa. Yeah, that's too bad. Yes, well, she's not Bruce's type in real life. They did have some chemistry, but he's kind of, you know, he puts on that flirty, low voice, you know, demeanor and... Hard not to have chemistry with someone like that, you know. I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Very flirty with her. You know, he and Sybil are both just flirtatious people, you know, which is why their chemistry kind of bounces around. But, yeah. It's true. All right. So now it's three weeks later at Blue Moon. Yeah, it's funny that they put three weeks later. We don't normally get like a timestamp like that, you know. No. No. Um, Yeah, but I think this is the first episode that, covers a long period of time yeah like atlas belch was about a week six days or something Mm -hmm. and this probably covers at least a month because they want to show that david's got all these cases coming in and the and the workers are working hard they got files flying everywhere even 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 o'neill's got heaps of files on his desk and he's opening files i couldn't believe that i couldn't believe how (laughs) they were working they were buzzing all over the place Thank you for listening to Sleep Talking Guy Part 1. Stay tuned for Part 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.